The temperature is nice and warm in the Boiling Point Podcast studio, so come on in, get cozy, and let's enjoy the conversation. We empower leaders through thoughtful discussions to positively impact our world. Our host, Dave Vale, founder and CEO of Vision Coaching, Inc., is highlighting how we can thrive in business communities. Our conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, and inspirational storytellers are shining a spotlight on empowerment. Joining Dave this week is our special guest host, Emily Roger. Let's join the conversation with Dave and Emily. Hello, Dave Vale. Hello, Emily. You're in a different spot. I am a different spot, and are you? And I, uh, I love the beautiful butterfly art piece that is behind you. I see you have redecorated your office, and it just screams Dave Vale. <laughs> really? Well, that's good to know because it's, uh, it's in fact my wife's office. And uh, as I was showing you earlier, uh, across just over here, there's a, a picture that says Wild at Heart. So thankfully, that's over there. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, where I usually record, there's this, like, bright light coming in, and uh, I just thought, you know what, I got to move. Um, yeah. I got to get some blind stuff. What, what about your space? What's going on there? So I have, uh, I am attempting to upgrade my podcast sound quality. I moved into a new place, and the ceilings are so high that every single room, my office, everywhere is echoey. So I have moved into one of my closets, which is large enough to have my desk. <laughs> And I feel like I'm a professional podcaster now because I'm in a closet. It's like, that is what you hear of people doing. And I tried to up my game one more by buying a microphone, but Excellent. I cannot get it to connect. So I'm just looking for like the placebo effect that if I like speak into this, even though it's not even plugged in, that my sound is going to be better. Yes. Yeah. I, in fact, I forgot my microphone, unfortunately. So um, you know, well, so speaking of like closet stuff, like when this was first started, Greg Hammings, we were in a recording booth and uh, our, our guest coming up, we'll, we'll, we'll recognize this name and knows the, the person we're talking about, but, uh, you know, the story was we were, we would, we would interview people and it was usually, there was no, um, ventilation. It was so warm. We start sweating and we had one guest, David Alston in and, uh, and, and Alston, um, we said we're going to call it the hot box and all these things. He said no, 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 call it the boiling point. And then this ever this became the boiling point ever, ever since. And so that goes back uh, to probably the third episode. So you know, seven years ago. Um, yeah, you being in a class, it's like totally appropriate. <laughs> well, and it's funny because this morning I was actually listening to an older boiling point podcast, and the story came up about how the name came about and I actually never knew and hadn't even really thought of like, yeah, why'd they pick the boiling point? But yeah, so it's funny you bring that into context and here I am. I am probably going to be like well, sorting here in yeah. 10 minutes. It's so Speaking hot. of which, um, this, this is, this room's a little warmer than I'm used to. So I might, you know, so we're bringing all, we're bringing back the old, um, you know, studio where we'd be crammed in and I guess we're just doing it virtually and just trying to create the same conditions. Uh, so, so what do you think about the new guest, this guest we have? What, what, what I am looking forward to chatting with him. And it is funny because like, I love how many guests come on the podcast that I, that I'm like, how have I not been connected with this person already? Because of similar mm -hmm. communities, similar groups. And Nigel is definitely one of those people who I am just selfishly looking forward to having a conversation with and getting to meet. 
Okay. Well, let's bring in Nigel O, as he's known on his LinkedIn profile, to introduce himself. And so, like, maybe that's a good place to start. Like, what's tell me about Nigel O? Because I, I mean, I, I maybe I'll start doing Dave, Dave V, but that that wouldn't, you know, I'm just Dave, right? Wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny that it actually shows Nigel. Oh, so I need to check the setting. So Nigel Orfe uh, is, is the last name. And so uh, long history of working in customer support, customer success, really solving pain and, and problem, you know, and helping turning frowns upside down, um, you know, helping to make sure customers are happy, healthy. Really anything post sale is is kind of my thing. Uh, whether whether it was like early days of working in retail or in the past kind of 50, 15 plus years working in tech uh, in a variety of industries. And I've just learned so much over the years. Uh, also a husband and father and learned so much from my two teenagers. Yeah, we, get, we learn a lot from our kids. Now, now Nigel, um, Emily and I both were looking at your LinkedIn profile and separately uh, we're telling Jean Vier, there's this one statement that popped up. I'll let, I'll, I won't steal it. Will, it will be Emily's, not mine. But there's one statement you make that really just um, for both of us pops out. Is that, isn't that the, the truth, Emily? It is. Yeah. And it's funny because Jean Vier and I were chatting first and I had mentioned this. And then when Dave came on and Dave mentioned it and Jean Vier was like, I bet that is the exact same thing that Emily was just talking about. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was, you stating that like that you are passionate about solving customer pain by being there for them and that you take their trust in the, or that had your quote i take their trust in me very seriously yep. and, yeah elaborate on that yeah do you know you saying that actually brings a small tear to my eye and, and no joke of like you know, the idea of feeling really disappointed when I feel like we have let someone down, you know, with me owning something, me being part of a company and owning an outcome and having some control over it and knowing that I let someone down and knowing that what they're going to hear from me is the honest truth. You know, an example is um, there was some kind of an issue or some kind of an outage. And, and I go back to the customer and say, you know, I know that impacted you. I'm really sorry that that, it, that impacted your ability to log in. I know the reason, and it was actually caused by human error. And the person that was involved was really concerned. And I said, you know, we're learning and growing, and, and now we know what, what caused the issue and we're moving on from it. Being open and honest and trusting and getting people to count on me, count on us, is just a winning strategy <laughs> from my own perspective, you know? Like, uh, it is a deposit that just continues to pay off, you know, the making deposits and withdrawals, you know? like. I, I am who I am and, and I want to make sure that people have a positive experience. I like the, like to take trust in me seriously. So it's, in other words, it's that what that implies to me, Nigel, is that you've, you've earned the trust and you just, you, you take that very seriously and you don't want, you know, and you want to make sure if anything happens, you want to make sure that trust is restored is kind of what I took from that. Um, would that be accurate? Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, really, it comes down to kind of being in the background, you know, the voice behind the curtain to, to like, prop someone up, for lack of a better word, you know, like, let me feed you a bunch of things, and I'll help to make you feel good. And privately, you can say thank you. And that's really all that I need. But, you know, I just want to help navigate through this. And whether we're solving a problem, or, you know, it's a coaching thing, or, or whatever the case may be, 
is I'll, you know, I'll just help you be successful. You know, I'll help you get promoted or I'll help, help you make, make you look good. Um, and, and afterwards you can say thank you. And then that'll be enough. When you, uh, so when you, I think you kind of gave an example, but, um, you know, how to make sure you retain that trust, you know, like, especially over, over the lifetime of a you know customer experience, like what what are what are things that are critically important? And and I'm listening very intently because you know we Emily and I are coaches and um, we collaborate together with Vision Coaching and we do a lot. And, and I'll tell you that's the most important ingredient. You know, um, Stephen Covey talked about trust being you know the new global currency, and I just it is so important, especially if if something's maybe gone sideways. I'm just curious. You know what? What kind of steps do you think are really critical to making sure you you know retain that trust? Yeah. Well, for me, number one, the sense of urgency, using the words, but then also them feeling it. You know, it could be like, "Hey, we know this thing is going on, um, and here's what I'm going to commit to doing. You know, I'm going to send you a meeting invite for this time. I'm going to send you an, an email follow up every day at 4 p.m. with an update along the way. Speaking quickly. You know, seeing the look on my face, feeling and, and seeing that it actually like hurts me, you know, that I'm actually quite disappointed that this happened to you. Uh, and and we're going to turn this around. So trust me that we'll move on from this. But sense of urgency is is 100% number one on that list. And, and the other one is, is like emotion, you know, and like, it's harder over the phone now. Uh, and, you know, in the old days, when I used to travel a lot more, it was, you know, you could feel it a lot more. But just seeing the little bits, you know, like seeing me, you know, talk with my hands or seeing a frown or seeing me like stumble with words like it's all true not artificial but all of it makes a difference there's that human side of, of the equation just seeing people seeing you as as failable and human and that sort of thing yeah and difficult to do i find like even you and i speaking you know and if i was to make a statement uh, and i was to say like what i just said i don't think it landed like because i see the look on your face and and like i know the words but I don't think there was a connection. Can you tell me if that landed? And and you would say, yeah, you're right. It didn't land. Or yeah, yeah, no, no, I, we're good. Yeah, things are good. Yeah. Or in in what way it landed in the other person? Because what you say, I could interpret as something totally different. And then I'm waiting for a different response. And something that stands out to me in hearing you say that and something that I had just been so aware of um, lately most in particularly is just acknowledgement and the power of acknowledgement and acknowledging people's feelings and so when hearing you say that and dealing with customer support and that you're actually acknowledging instead of being dismissive of the way that the customer is feeling and that that even just that opens up that feeling i think of safety and trust yeah i have a hard time because you know there is an alternate strategy where a customer owns the path that they're on uh, and, you know, and they created something for themselves and I'm just here in the background, you know, like an example would be, I would be talking to you and something went astray and I would say to you, well, remember Dave or Emily, um, this is what happened. You know, you told me this thing last week and this is the reason why it happened, like shifting the blame over to you versus this thing happened and I'm not happy about it. I know you're not either. Let's just figure it out. You know, like I could remind you that you caused this problem, you know, or like, this yeah. is your path, but I would never play that card. You know, like there's just no point or value in me reminding people that that's something they chose. Ultimately, I helped you get off path. You know, like 
I should have fought harder. I should have suggested that that's not a winning strategy and you should not be doing that. And you need to feel that and know that I, I can't support you if you choose that this option because it's just wrong and bad. And, and this isn't the way you're going to win. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. I was, I was going to just say, so, you know, like what, what got you on this path, Nigel? Like this is really, it's not, I, you know, I'm just imagining, you know, someone going through high school saying, you know, I really, really want to enhance the customer experience. You know, like, I don't think you hear that a lot. Although being in business, I know how critically important it is. So I'm just kind of curious how this path, like where, where it started. Yeah, I kind of wish there was customer success school, you know, and that, and that um, such a thing does exist and that people would, would come out with a set of skills. You know, it's a hard answer. You know, I, I have been working in retail or, you know, some kind of a customer service job my whole time, my, my whole career. Uh, and I spoke on a, at a conference a little while back, a dev conference. And I was, it was the only topic that wasn't code related, development related. And I don't have a development or code background. Um, but it, it is meaningful, you know, to people about uh, customer success and customer support and, and how I interact and the value in it. And there's a lot of head nods. And so I think it's just like the feedback along the way, you know, of people feeling like we're suggesting that, um, that my approach or the words or how I dealt with something was great. Like, and, and like, I've never seen that happen before. And like, how did you turn that around? And like, that's what drives me, you know, like, money and title and all that is great and all that but at the same time it really is just a smile and a thank you and like i think people just fostered it over time and i just like fell into it and and um figured out a way to navigate you know not one for a, dealing with a lot of conflict in the early days it was like well i need to figure out words where i can say something and it lands with you and that you learn from it and you move on like same as me asking a bunch of questions and helping you get somewhere versus telling you the answer so I think it's just positive feedback along the way that's kind of like propped me up, you know, um, and and taught, you know, self-taught of like what I should say and what I should not say and, and hoping to pass that along in every interaction. It's to me, it's describing, Emily, doesn't it sound like what we would call the coach approach, you know, in terms of the language that Nigel's encouraging? Yeah, absolutely. And then Nigel, with that, I was going to say, like, is this, do you feel that that your way of being because I think I feel that that is very much a way of being and in taking that approach that you take. Is that something that like has come naturally to you or is it like skill sets that you felt that you have had to really kind of build up in order to? No, I would probably say it came natural or, or you know, you know, part of how I was raised, you know, it's just kind of like one of those things that you just pick up and, and run with. You know, my education post-secondary is kind of like business admin general management, you know, leading teams. But I think it just is, you know, I think it's probably meant this is just meant to be, you know, that I just probably didn't have another path. Yeah. Yeah. That you uh yeah, that 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 you didn't necessarily find that role, but that role just kind of found you. Yeah. I mean and even in my LinkedIn history or like my job history and even the stuff that's like off off the page, it's all been variations of like supporting customers face to face and over the phone and on, on calls. Um, and all have found very, very, very beneficial and, um, positive, you know, even though something, sometimes things are, are, are negative, you know, this is me like building something, you know, this is me like contributing to a better place. Um, like it's in an interaction or an email or a phone call. And so it's just fostered, you know, built over time. 
how do you prioritize? It's like, you know, you said that you will follow up with them and then get back to them at the end, by the end of the day. How do you then, because I hear this a lot with clients of like, at the end of the day, there's so many things that I then need to follow up with. How do I then prioritize how to follow up with them? What is your approach to that? Yeah, well, I think um, it's hard, um, but for me, it's 100% just pure listening. You know, and I was joking earlier about these like, little like, you know, trinkety things on my desk, you know, that kind of keeps me focused in the moment. It is easy for me to be over here on my screen, you know, looking at my other email, but I do really try to listen. And if something's important to you or I gauge, then it has to be more important to me. And and that's just how it is. And so like, how you respond, how someone else would respond would be variable. And then I'll just kind of pick up and run with it based on the words that you use, or the look on your face, or, you know, the the corresponding urgency. Uh, but it all rank it all rank on a scale. It sometimes does mean really late nights or really early mornings because everything is super important, and I just have to wrap it all up before I go to bed. Um, but it really is just the words that I hear, you know, and the look on someone's face, and you know, putting it into a kind of a severity category. When, I, when you think of yourself as a customer for for a sec, can you describe like the the the, the kind of the best experience most amazing experience you had from a customer perspective and what made it so amazing? Yeah, I could tell you that that's a really hard answer for me, uh, that I have really high expectations and I'm frequently disappointed. Um, you know, when something is just a job versus something that someone really cares about and I really feel it. Um, so it's really just the ownership mentality, you know, of like going into a place and, and me feeling like they actually want to solve a problem or really want to solve or, or help me with something that I'm really struggling with and they can tell this is a really difficult problem. Um, and so, you know, just the emotion side, I think is lacking sometimes. And then also the care, you know, like there's just too many people where this is a job, like nobody trains to be in customer support. There's no customer success school. There's no tech support school, you know, that nobody chose this path per se. There's a lot of really great people in this industry, but it's unfortunate that I'm, that there are, maybe too many people that, you know, it's just a job and they haven't figured out a way to care enough and, and make it the best, you know? Um, just, to, just to follow up on that, uh, I, I'm thinking like it drives my wife crazy when we, so I feel like, you know, as a small business owner, the work we do, you know, I, I want to create the best experience possible for a customer and the links will go to, and, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I sincerely feel that way. So I have an expectation and maybe some, and she would say it's a little maybe an unreal expectation when I go certain places that I have a similar experience as a customer, right? And it drives me crazy when I think I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, um, if I'm being served in a restaurant, like it, it's like it, sometimes it feels like it's become my job to make the interaction good. I'm like, and not that I don't have a part in it, but I always find it a little frustrating. And it's just like, okay, relax. Just can we just enjoy this experience? So I, I, there is a little of that, eh? Like, um, and, and just to add to that, it was like, I was just in Toronto and my brother, who's, he owns business as well. And we were at this coffee shop. It's one of those ones off of like Queen Street or something. And you go down the stairs and it's, it's really cool. And it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, owner operated, I would think. And the woman behind just so her service is so excellent. And so we made a bet. Um, um, but the problem is we both agreed to, we couldn't really bet on it was, um, was, was the person serving us the owner? Because you talked about that owner kind of mindset, right? 
And the experience was such that we were both like, we, we say, well, like, we'll bet that they guarantee that's you. Just because it was just, it was just her, the experience and how she was trying to keep everyone happy and, and all that sort of thing. And even almost the stress she was feeling to get everyone through the line. And, you know, so we, so that was the first question. Is this your place? And sure enough, yeah, she goes, oh yeah. That's, but you can, you can feel it, right? And not, mm-hmm. not every experience is because it's the owner, but I found that very interesting. To, to have that experience of, you know, how we were being served and, and really kind of recognizing this, that ownership mindset. Yeah, I've had so many discussions kind of the other way. You know, whenever I'm surveyed, I fill it out honestly, not to be a jerk, but to, to share constructive feedback. And, and often people do call back or email back, you know, and the discussion is like, this just didn't feel right to me. You know, like I was at the counter and this thing happened like, how would it feel like thinking about all these things, you know, and, and the response is like, you're right, that just didn't seem right. And like, I, I want to help, you know, improve service across the board. So there's a lot of pride. And, you know, I think we're losing the face to face, you know, kind of support mentality of like wowing people in an interaction. But I do take the opportunity in like every little bit to try to share something helpful from my own perspective. And it generally lands, you know, and, and that generally it's appreciative versus an attack. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Yeah, and with sharing that feedback, like, um, you know, another kind of common theme that I have been hearing amongst uh, clients and leaders is how, like, in their words, it would be kind of this next generation, it's harder to instill those qualities in, and that there's almost like this sense of entitlement. And how, like, are you able to, as a leader, help to instill like being able to be so good at customer service is that something that like you just teach you give workshops on like how can people be better at that yeah that's a really good question you know my approach is rolling up my sleeves and being involved and and so i do hold a senior role at a tech company and and i think traditionally my role wouldn't be involved day to day, you know, completing administrative tasks or being involved in things. But it is, I do that, you know, I do want to understand the tech and I do want to understand people. I do want to understand where there's breakdowns of people going through motions and something breaks at step number seven, but that haven't been able to get the momentum to, to fix step seven to get to step eight, you know? And so I think the first part of it is, is that I'm very, very involved, maybe too involved, not from a micromanagement perspective, but from a a cog in the wheel, you know, with us being a machine, you know, that, you know, I'm contributing to positive outcomes and I'm, and I'm here. And the other one is, is contributing on calls or participating in calls and, 
you know, I would offer feedback of ways to handle something, you know, so whether it's like my words first, we get an objection and it's my words first. Uh, and then the next call, it's their words or, you know, we're on a call and we're on Slack, you know, and I'm messaging them in the background of like, hey, this would be a good thing to say now, you know, and, and then, then it's all like that they're driving it. Um, but it really is about trying to support people and trying to help them and, and try to have those answers. And so I think it's like being there, like being around, listening, joining calls is more difficult than fully remote now, um, you know, listening on calls and trying to participate and, and pick, picking up on any like nugget that, that we can run with to, you know, improve our service or support by, you know, 0.01% of the time. So you talk, you're talking about 10,000 coffees, is that right? Uh, yeah. What, tell, tell, tell us and the listeners about that. What, what that's such, I love the name first off. Cause I love yeah, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it was just such a great serendipitous thing. And so like, I'm a new member of the team uh, and like, what we were just talking about, about customer support and like solving problems and being there for people. That's just kind of like how I am. Um, you know, I want people around me to be better than me and, and maybe try to help them. And basically this technology is, is it connects uh, individuals for informal mentoring and skill development. You know, the idea of like, uh, you're at a company uh, like Nike, you've got different levels of an organization and we would match people based on many different criteria with the two people to support each other. So like a new member of the team with a tenured member of the team, and we would kind of curate discussions along the way and introduce them and help them kind of get to know each other, help that person feel welcome in the organization and maybe like upskill them at the same time. And so it's such a great way to retain team members. Like the tech is winning, but at the same time, it like that is my approach or like my strategy with team members is like, I want people to be successful and progress in their organization. So. It's so great to be part of it and, and watch as other people do the same thing and use the tech for, for good. You know, uh, there's tech out there that, you know, is really, really great. But this is like tech that solves a real problem that's like changing the world. Um, and maybe the one other small thing I can mention is, is uh, there's a program in Canada called Future Launch, which is basically matching through the tech uh, graduates with alumni. And so I'm a mentor through this program with the school I graduated from basically connects me automatically to recent grads of anything that I can do to help prop them up, you know, with LinkedIn advice or resume building or interview questions or whatever. And so it's like, whether someone's looking for a quote office job or like whatever, there are things that I can offer that would be harder, you know, especially in this remote world. And, you know, I'm in New Brunswick, the school I graduated from is Calgary uh, is different, but there is just a really great element here of trying to help people progress in their careers and, you know, upskill. Yeah, and in reading about you, Nigel, and hearing more about you, <clears throat> and it's very apparent that you uh, put a huge emphasis on mentorship and being a mentor and giving back to the community. And, you know, before I kind of dive into that a little bit more, I'm curious as to who would be one or two of those key mentors that you have had that have really made an impact on your life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um and so I would say the first one goes back quite a long way. You know, it's kind of my transition, like far, far off of my LinkedIn um, to a in, in the day of an office job, you know, versus retail, you know, fi finishing post-secondary. My parents weren't in that industry. I didn't know anyone, you know, that that had, it's funny to say this out loud, but an office job, you know, like I, I just didn't want to work in retail anymore. And so um, 
through a variety of connections, I found somebody that worked at a company that I had applied for. And in the background, he was like providing guidance and, and nudges and help along the way of an angle to play and, and had given me tips along the way of things to say in the phone interview or things to say in the face-to-face -face interview. And like I had done all my research, you know, and I know all about the company and here's how I can help. And it, and, and it was a strategy, you know, that was effective. And the other ones have been people along the way that that in like in a really awkward moment actually took the time to give really difficult feedback. You know, uh, I had once applied for a job at a, a tech company, my call center job, actually a little wh a while back off my resume as well. But um, and I didn't get the job. And, and afterwards, talking about you know why that is and why I wasn't considered, and he told me very specifically the moment it's an interview that went sour. And man, I was disappointed, but I didn't even get it. And like, I legitimately changed my approach because he offered really difficult feedback. And I know it was hard for him to say that, um, but it landed, you know, like and I'm generally pretty open to feedback, but he, he actually did take a minute to tell me and, and offer something that he could have said there was someone with more experience and I, I would have been fine, but he offered something very direct and very to the point. That was really, really helpful. Um, which I also try to do as much as possible, depending on the personality I'm interacting with is to offer something. But, you know, it's all the little people, not little people, the people along the way that have just helped, you know, and have understood me well enough to know what I needed in the moment. So it's so interesting to hear you describe that. I had a, it just, it brings up probably story for you, stories for you as well, Emily, but of a, of a, of a, just this wonderful mentor who fortunately passed away about a little over a year ago. And, uh, and, and what, what resonated in your story, Nigel, is the fact that I think good mentorship, um, often requires just being, you know, very candid with someone in, in a way that, that might actually not hurt them, but, um, you know, might, might cause, you know, some consternation or some, some, someone to rethink something. And, um, and just an attaboy isn't, isn't the same. And I remember being just completely, um, at a loss for how to, to live this particular workshop that I thought was going to be tough. And, and I thought I'd get the answer, right? I thought I'd go to, her name was Deb Armstrong. I go to Deb, she would give me the answer and then I'd be saved, right? And instead she said, I believe you can figure this out. <laughs> you know, if you want, here's something you can read. And you know what I mean? And I was thinking, this is terrible. <laughs> like I, I, I need help, right? But actually she was helping me. Um, and I'm kind of hearing something similar in, in, in what you're describing. Yeah. Do you know, actually, that also reminds me of another mentor that I was interacting with that I was absolutely in awe of, uh, in that we were sitting in a room. She was coaching someone sitting beside me, uh, and I was in the room as a, another senior member of the team. But in this, in a series of about 20 questions, she helped that person see where things went wrong and what he needed to do differently without saying what you said to that person was wrong and you need to stop doing that. And you need to start saying this instead. It was like, tell me how you think you that person felt. Like, how did they respond when you said that? Did you see the look on their face? Like a series of questions that I still today think about that and the words that she used. And it's just like such an art, you know, to help people see something without telling them um, and helping them reflect and really realize like, yeah, you're right. I really messed that up and I'm going to do better. Great. Now we're going to move on. And so, yeah, it's so, so powerful. Yeah, it, um, so I have founded and run a, a nonprofit called On the Rise, which is 
building leadership and confidence in kids through sport and adventure. And just the other night of talking about, um, yeah, giving that feedback and giving it around, like, how is it that I felt if I was doing a discussion with one of the groups and there was 12 of them and like 10 of them were talking amongst themselves. And it's like, I could have just said right there, like, okay, everyone, like for the a hundredth time, like, well, let's try and focus here. But it is again around that, like, how do you, how do you think it makes me feel right now that I am up here speaking, trying to get a message across, and there's two out of 12 of you that are actually, like, paying attention right now, you know? Mm. And then doing an exercise with them, like, around how, yeah, like, when we're not given attention in a certain area of, or like when the respect isn't there of how that actually makes us feel and changes our experience versus just that like nonstop saying like, all right, everyone eyes up here, pay attention. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I interview a lot of people and talk to a lot of people and, and frequently they were, you know, somebody would say, or we would talk about like, what's your superpower? You know, like, what is it that you can do that is really, really great, that is really, really unique? You know, and, and for me, it's being able to frame something that's difficult into something that that is accepted. You know, like this thing is broken, you know, being able to frame that of like, oh, that's not so bad. I'll figure out a way around that. Another one that I take on is that, you know, question when you watch someone that is really an expert at it, it's just like watching a movie that is like, I'm so sucked into it. I just can't even move my eyes you know i can't even like not pay attention because it's just like art uh so it's like so so powerful yeah yeah but you, you mentioned earlier diversity and tech and, and we're actually going to talk to a like an expert in diversity um in another in an interview after you um tell me a little bit about you know diversity and tech like what when, when you said that like um for for someone who's not very tech savvy and you're talking about the importance of diversity you know i'm thinking i'm assuming within tech but like what like like help me understand what what that means exactly yeah well i think the the lens is is making people people feel welcome you know like everyone has a different lens and a different view of things uh you know and and me joining a company what i need to feel welcome uh and part of the team uh is different than what you need you know and kind of like in the quote old days, you know, like it is like blanket programs, all hands meetings, emails like this, performance reviews that look like this, and we're all like going in the same direction. And we have Beer Friday every week, and everyone goes to Beer Friday. Uh, but the idea of that just doesn't land anymore. You know, the idea of like really trying to understand people and think about strategies and, and approaches that are more inclusive, you know, that not everyone drinks beer, you know, not everybody values this particular thing, um, you know, kind of like the way of the world is this smaller programs of things that tailor to different people um, to help people be successful, you know, like, maybe there's a resource group that speaks to something in particular, a, a certain way that resonates, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and lifts them up and makes people feel welcome. You know, maybe there is a series of training sessions, maybe there is um, an all hands meeting, maybe there is, but it's like, figuring out the, the mix of people that are there and kind of what they need to, to be successful and like not churn, like not leave the organization. So I feel like a, like they're included. Like, you know, the idea of like people need a, a best friend at work. Uh, and so someone that I can rely on and kind of like empathize with and, and vent with. And so every once in a while I'll talk to people and I'll say, do you have a best friend at work? 
well, I have someone that's like this or that, or like, you know, kind of, and it's like, okay, well, you know, that's really important just to make sure that you feel like there's someone that you can speak openly with. And, and if the two of you wanted to come to talk to me, that would be fine as well. But it really is just trying to understand who's here, what they need to be successful and, and, you know, strategies that include everybody versus those blanket, like catch all traditional things. Well, that's so interesting because it, what, I mean, what you're saying in there is, is, is so true, right? We can assume that people want the same things as maybe we want. And, and, you know, you start building a culture around these things and, and it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself well to, to other groups that may want to, that may not feel welcome or, or just don't feel included or, you know, don't feel involved. Yeah. And, you know, um, what what partially paints this picture for me as well is as I have a teenager, two teenagers actually, but uh, one in particular that I see that what he needs, well, actually, what both of them need are, are very specific programs or um, campaigns or you know information related a certain way that's going to resonate. You know, um, if it was to be like we're going to have an all hands meeting in the gym and we're going to talk about all these things. Like that just doesn't land with kids today, you know, like people need need to really be understood and for things to be tailored. And it's hard, you know, like in education and, and like healthcare and many other things to tailor that. But I can tell you watching as an observer, those big bucket programs don't land with teenagers, like not with mine anyways, uh, and, and need people to understand them a bit more, you know, need other other ways to kind of group them together or strategies so that everybody kind of wins you know which which is hard you know i get but it, it obviously it seemed very clearly to me yeah that's such a great observation and, and i think in how like some of that is not even lost as we become adults mm -hmm. yeah yes. yeah yeah sorry go ahead no it um yeah I was just, that was just kind of making me yeah, think about think about that and how just that um yeah, the one approach or just assuming that everyone is going to understand or that everyone has the certain like knowledge and training and expertise so the same message is going to land amongst everyone and that that's not always the way that that it ends. Yeah, and and the difficult answer there is to know that it just takes time, you know, investing, listening, meeting, understanding, you know, and it's hard to get, you know, quick wins there. It's like, you know, book a series of one-on-ones, get to know the team, understand the culture, understand the organization. And then eventually it's going to net out into little bits here and there where everyone's going to feel like there's something that kind of matches, you know, that helps them be successful, but it's not a quick win. Uh, and so it really is an investment in time that can't be measured or isn't always seen like there are actions that i have can be measured as roi and this is just kind of one of the things that i take pride in and really enjoy um that is a requirement and it takes me more time than other people maybe or i approach it differently than other people and we would hope others would as well but it's so important you know like even in customer success i talk about um you know retaining our customers and them being successful relationship is 51 percent. you know code and technology and features and buttons is tech it's, you know it's kind of black and white but relationships and like understanding and like us being friends, you know, and you trusting me, me trusting you um, goes a long, long way, which you need to invest in. And it takes time. Uh, so there aren't any quick wins there in time. It pays off. But 
you know, it, it is that it doesn't really come back to how well you know someone in relationships. Oh, you're muted. Um, yeah, I know. I was like, speaking of kids, I've got I've got a, a young child running up and down up top. So I'm trying to mute um, to, uh, I, I don't know, for some reason, dragging chairs. It sounds like, I don't know what it is. Um, and, but, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, speaking of kids, it is true because your kids, uh, you know, I have three children and, you know, any, what, what worked with the first child doesn't necessarily work with the third child. Well, actually does not work with the third child. And, it, you know, there's different requirements and, and, you know, it makes sense. And then this is coming from the same gene pool and from the same household. You know, you would think there would be some sort of, you know, you'd have something figured out. But, um, but you know, every human being has kind of different wants and needs. And that's not even to, to kind of start to filter in, you know, culture and, and religion and language and all those sorts of things. So, so do you, is this like, I mean, we're, kind of, we're at the end here. I'm just wondering, like, um, this, this, you know, where, where, where the workforce is going and, and where the customer experience is going, uh, just you know your thoughts on how important it is to focus on um, the the diversity not only in your workforce but in in your customers as well. And and just I just kind of what what are the lessons there that that you know leaders should be considering and thinking about as they as we kind of move into this um, you know this this kind of next um, I don't even know what we call it kind of you know area you know it's kind of post-COVID sort, sort of, uh, but, you know, it just, you know, more tech-enabled, there's kind of hybrid workforces and all these things to consider, but, you know, how, how does diversity play into all that? Well, I think even like to take it back one step, I think the challenge for leaders and managers and, you know, coaches, from my perspective, is really getting to know your team, you know, like getting to know who you work with and really understanding what drives them, what motivates them, what makes them tick, and trying to figure out a way to speak to that or, or, you know, respond to that or, you know, speak to that, you know, that helps them feel welcome and part of the team, you know, like what you need is different than another member of the team needs, you know, and I, and I can't just blanket send an email and, and confirm that it's landed. And so the challenge really is, is just really get to know your people, you know, which is an easy thing to say out loud, but it, we hope that leaders would really care and, and really want to get to know people and really get to know what drives them and, and really help them be successful by that teamwork, you know, collaboration of like, Hey, I know this is really important to you. We talked about this last week. Here is an, another example where that, where you can flex that skill. Like I already know that. And so like, I would love if you can take that on, but it's only because I knew that only because you told me or either only because, you know, you offered it to me, but it really is about, trying to you know really get to know your team members and and so so hard working remote um to really feel that but i hope that 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 is maybe the one thing that people get from this well maybe they get more from it but but really get to know people that you work with what's so interesting about that for me um and i don't know i don't know why this like i what i find i find it fascinating is we get um often we do work with teams uh, and, and I'll do a like an icebreaker where I'll get people to you know interview a partner and they'll they'll ask each other a series of questions and then they'll introduce the partner and but it'll be things like what's your nickname you know where were you born what's one little known fact you know those sorts of questions and the, you know these this, sometimes they've been intact teams for a decade or longer and generally what you know the the outcome of that is well it's a nice way to get for me to get to know the group as we get things rolling but more importantly 
they get to know each other better. And I guess the what going back to what I think is fascinating is like I'm thinking, man, it's, isn't it amazing you can work with someone for years and years and years and not know some of these things because, and I don't know what it is, but it but we we seem to forget to. And I think what you're you're advocating for is invest the time, you know, get to know the person, and and it will pay dividends. Would that be fair? Hundred percent, and listen closely, which is really really hard with like information overload with every device all over the place but like so many things that you said there i could respond to and it could go so many different directions but like i could pull that thread all day long um but really listening and collaborating and, and helping you see that i understand you and you understand me um goes a long long way and, and i think that's kind of the the message i hope of like making people feel welcome and part of the team is like he's actually taking the time to get to know me and he wants to know what drives me, what makes me successful. Um, that's fantastic. And it's not like I'm going to step up my game or I'm going to follow through with this because like I've never talked to anyone like that before. Um, but it goes a long, long way. Absolutely. Well, I think ultimately, doesn't it say he or she cares about me and my well-being and, you know, people are willing to tend to, at least I do, I lean in a lot more when I want someone, someone actually cares, cares enough to, to learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, Nigel, oh, go ahead, Dave. No, no, go, go for it. Yeah, I was just going to say, Nigel, like this has been phenomenal. And so how can people reach out to you, hear more about what it is that you're doing, get in contact with you? Yeah, feel free to connect on LinkedIn. I think we can be a, you know, it can be a jumping off point. You know, feel free to reach out, contact me. Happy to collaborate, happy to brainstorm. Love speaking with people that are kind of like-minded or, you know, wish to kind of brainstorm and collaborate. And and maybe the other ask would be, you know, if you're a grad of a post-secondary institution in Canada, think about future launch and signing up to be a mentor. It's, you know, it's, quote, free. It's your time. Um, but you can really make a difference on young people, like helping them break into the workforce and really offer something that is really, really valuable. Yeah, I loved reading your bio, Nigel, and hearing more about you and all of the mentorship and community-based work that it is that you are doing both with the younger generation and you know i was reading about uh the mountain biking stuff and just the similarities the similar groups and stuff that we have um with that and just how you are really giving back thank you thank you yeah we could talk about mountain biking and you know kids mountain bike programs <laughs> and all day long and so yeah. but anyways thank you yeah, that's a rabbit hole. And at the end of each episode, Dave and I do um, takeaways. Dave, do you want to go first? Oh, you let me go first. See, I'll the, let the, you go first. The theory, the theory, Nigel, is that um, that I always suggest that Emily took my takeaway, um, <laughs> and then, so I'm stuck with it. So now, so now she's turned it around on me, and I very smartly. Uh, so, so for me, it's just a, such a great reminder of just that investment in time that you should take in your, in your customers, you know, in, but you're in your teammates and people around you. And it's very easy to get caught up in, in, you know, just getting the, the next task done and completed, but the value of, of, of the investment of time and, and how that, how that really pays off down the road. So I, that's something that's just, it's a good reminder. And I, I appreciate it from a customer um, service uh, lens. Yeah, see, you would have, you took mine, Dave. <laughs> but, and, you know, even with that, it's, it's that like how somebody can possibly have an employee that has worked for them for the last 10 years, 
and they're like, but I've told you this a hundred times and I know this person, but, but it's like, but have you really invested the time in getting to know that person mm -hmm. and understanding that person? And with that, I think an even kind of larger takeaway from me is being able to be open to receive feedback and, mm -hmm. um, and how difficult it can be sometimes because it's not often what it is that we want to hear or how we see ourselves. But being more open to ask, um, to ask for that, because ultimately it does, you know, help uncover our blind spots and helps us deal with situations and people more efficiently and more effectively and in a more caring way. Yeah, well, and, and isn't all of that our, our legacy, you know, like what I leave behind is, is hopefully people that have learned something and have grown and benefited, you know, and now they're on to bigger and better better jobs, better careers, better benefits. And maybe I played a small role in it, but you know, it's something that I can look back on and hope that I helped to contribute to build. Yeah, amazing. And and I got feedback, Nigel, from uh, Emily, that butterflies are my thing. So that's something that I'll take to the bank. I never, I never thought that. So it's good, <laughs> feedback's great. It was a blind spot I had. <laughs> you even, you match the room, Dave, like your shirt matches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll do I'll do more here. The, the sun's going in and out. Nigel, thanks so much. Uh, great, great to have you on. Great to to uh, meet you. Hopefully, get to to meet you in person at some point. Um, and Jean-Pierre will take us out as she always does. Yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you both. And it's uh, it's awesome for me. I can say that uh, Nigel did have that impact for me as a previous manager. He helped me grow a lot. Um, I know we have through some difficult conversations. I don't know if he'll say the same, uh, but I'll jump into where you can find his episode. You're going to find it on boilingpointpodcast.com, as with all of our other conversations. It's released on all your favorite podcast channels, and the video version will be released on Facebook and YouTube. And you connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. You. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Boiling Point Podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite listening platform. To find out more, head to our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. You can connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. To find out more about Dave Vale's work, head over to visioncoachinginc.com. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out our next conversation. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.